From across the comic book community multiverse, the Comic-Con podcast begins now with your hosts, Justin, a.k.a. Nemesis Prime. If you give them the title of influencer, then that's that's giving them more power, right? That's how it is. Like, I'm a nobody. Listen, I'm a nobody. Zach, a.k.a. The Manimal. We talked about it for a full, I believe, seven to eight minutes on an hour-long normal podcast for a show. And you would have thought we set their house on fire with the backlash. So, Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Comic-Con Podcast, Season 3, Episode 48, recording this on November 30th. You're listening to this on December 1st. Your uh, duo of Nemesis Prime, Milton the Manimal. Um, hopefully everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving, uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. They spent a lot of money on comics, cards, video games, toys, original art, whatever was on sale from everybody across the board. On I saw on Instagram, everybody trying to hawk their old stuff that they can't sell. So yeah, um, how's it going, man? How are you? We haven't spoke all week, actually. Yeah. Um, what was going on this week? I don't think nothing, just kind of busy with getting back into work from the holidays and everything. Um, but yeah, dude, doing good here. Just uh, prepping for Christmas now. I think I told you starting like December 7th and forward or just starting, I guess, the 8th. I don't work for the rest of the month of December, dude. So yes. <laughs> I'm like trying to like figure out what I'm going to do besides play video games, read comic books and not do shit. But um, I'm trying to actually be moderately productive. Well, then I half expect you to beat either Super Mario RPG or Wonder or Zelda. Yes. Well, I just started Skyward Sword and Saturday I get uh, Mario RPG and Wonder. So, but that's that's kind of the the, all three of those things kind of work against this whole uh, trying to be productive thing. So I don't know how that's going to go down. Mm. But uh, I did say, so last thing on that is I've had the Switch for, I don't know, about a year and a half now or so. And, um, I've been using it for the first time as like the mobile way. Like I've always yeah. just kind of played it on my TV. And, uh, but now with Zelda, I've been playing it mobile and bro with a kid. Oh shit. I told you so much, so much better so much in general. It's better. Like <laughs> I was playing like, Pokemon Arceus and it was like the best thing. just as like a mobile thing. Like, yeah, yeah. it's cool on the big screen. Of course. Like just looking at it and you're like, I can easily do this just mobile. Yeah. It's cool. That's definitely awesome. And it looks good, right? It's got to look good. On yeah, the- it definitely looks good. It yeah. definitely looks good. It does take me, I will say, like opposed. I'm so used to Xbox and PS4 or PS5. I mean, that I'm so used to like I always every time I come back to the Switch, I gotta like relearn the controls a little bit and like, oh God, what, mm. what am I doing here? And yep. Skyward Sword has some weird controls because I think it was created for Wii. And so everything is very much did you ever play Skyward Sword? No. Last one I played was Twilight Princess. So like you, the so now we're getting to like our video game talk, but like the sword swings are all like on the joystick, and I think it was designed initially for Wii, right? Where you're using the, yeah the nunchuck, yeah the nunchuck thing, and so it's a little different. Like it's I got to get used to it, the fighting style a little bit, but anyway, cool. it's a Zelda game. It's not can't be that hard. Nope, you can relearn yourself. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's awesome. A little bit of a video game talk. Yeah. Um. But let's let's kind of get into this episode. Um. You know we always like to have guests here on the podcast and this one's actually a brand new guest longtime listener someone that i've met enjoyed my time with at new york comic-con not this year we didn't hang out this year right now yeah we didn't hang out this year but last year um my buddy nate uh trial by gods how's it going man how are you i'm good and it's actually my fault we didn't hang out this year because i missed your uh message because i'm bad about checking facebook or not facebook but ig and I just mm. always, you know, try, when you're 
when I'm in New York, it's trying to catch up with like people I worked with and people I went to school with besides, you know, the folks at the, the con. And uh, I totally missed it. And I saw when you were at Rudy's and I, and I, I, I swear, I think we were both there at the same time. Yeah. I, uh, so. Yeah, but I you know, I, I, I apologize. I probably should have given you my number. Like some people, I'm always, I always forget. I'm always just like, oh yeah, just hit me up on Instagram. But yeah, <laughs> next year, next year, or next time you're out here, since you're always, you know, in the New York area. But glad to have you on, man. Um, for the listeners, we're gonna get to little learn a little bit about Nate and uh, his collecting habits and other stuff. You know, you're a very interesting, cat because you don't have a YouTube channel, but you are on. Yeah, I, I met Brian McClay. So actually, um, Aaron Yee and Sean Leg at Big Leg. Yep. This was back when McClay was doing uh, Tales from the Flip Side on Monday night. Mm-hmm. And so Yee had reached out to me. I think uh, McClay and I had been talking back and forth a little bit. And I, I actually, I, I did a show with him and Mikey for Mikey's Comics before he passed away. And we were doing a Golden Age uh, piece for Dino while he was out. And... Um, and he, Aaron, he had reached out and he and Leg were in Houston. So I met them one night out and Leg was going to Dallas and I was going to Dallas over Thanksgiving. So we got to hang out in Dallas too. And then I went to Phoenix like the following weekend to meet up with a buddy and then met up with McClay and we went to the Cardinals game together and just kind of built up a friendship from there. And then Ed was work. And then when he left Tales from Flipside and started his own channel, it was, um, going on the beyond Wednesdays and then uh, the modern comic mayhem show on Saturday. Yeah. Is that where Brian's from is Phoenix? Yeah. Yep. Oh, really? Born raised. Oh shit. I didn't know he was out there. That's close to me. I, yeah. I thought you aren't now. Wait a minute. I knew you said, I thought you were moving to Washington, right? I am. Yeah. Next okay. year sometime, but I'm in El Paso still right now. El Paso. Texas. Right. Cause when you I say are close, on the I mean four or five opposite side of Texas. Cause I'm in, I'm 45 minutes north of Houston, the Woodlands. So oh, yeah, and I yeah. might as well be in like different countries, even though we're in the same state. Yeah, it's like what, 10 hours, 12 hours to get across the breadth of east to west of Texas. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. uh, I forget who, who I was having a conversation with regarding like all the, 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 we always have this conversation of how like in Texas it's, oh, I was talking to Kevin from Shortbox actually on the phone the other day. And we were talking about how everyone's so close again here on the East Coast, like everybody knows each other, but you guys, it's, you know, 10 hours for, for you, right. It's like 10 hours yeah. to get to Dallas. And then, like you said, another couple hours, if you were to go to Nate. So it, it's just so wild. I mean, for that amount of time, I could go up and down New Jersey, like from tip to tip. Well, as you come through like I 10, whether you're going eastbound on I 10 or westbound on I 10, and you're entering Texas from either side, you'll see, it'll say like, so if you're coming from, if you're going westbound, it'll say El Paso. And I think it's like 898 miles yeah. or something like that. And if you're going eastbound it says beaumont and it's like the yeah. same thing it's as you enter texas it's like you gotta drive bro <laughs> you get the hell out of here so uh buckle up but uh yeah it's and it's just straight shot dude i-10 is actually like the longest interstate in the u.s it goes from like la all the way to jacksonville yeah 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 because i was wondering if it's a dad or 40 because 40 goes from wilmington north carolina because yeah. you see a big sign like home of michael jordan or birthplace mm-hmm. of michael jordan and it goes all the way to california but i think barstow california is where it is yeah yeah i, th- I believe so too uh, but i i think i tends i, I believe the, I longer. the longer one uh, yeah i miss i lived in the northeast i lived in new york and then providence rhode island and it was just you know you could just go wherever you wanted and took no time whatsoever like i loved going from providence and just taking the train into Boston, you're there at half an hour. And if you want to go to New York, 
take the cell of you there in two and a half hours. Yeah. So a lot easier here on the East coast to go somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, so Nate, so you've obviously, you know, you said you kind of met up with those guys and you've been doing it a little bit on beyond Wednesdays, you know, and as far as like a collecting thing, you know, how did you get into all this collecting? Obviously this is not a visual show and Nate's probably got the craziest background I've ever seen for <laughs> yes. a guest and anybody on that's on YouTube. The guy's got Transformers, GI Joe. He's got comic books. He's got, I just, that room alone has got to be worth a few, I'd say at least a hundred thousand, if not more. So yeah, don't tell my wife that. Well, I didn't tell my wife. I don't know if the insurance is paid up. So yeah. <laughs> is that room insured? Like, is it like bomb proof? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, not COVID proof, but um, yeah. yeah. So it's, I, it's just kind of one of those things where it, I grew up in a really small town in North Carolina. And it's the funniest thing, like every time I'm big in action figures and like GI Joe and Transformers and, and Star Wars. And every time I smell new tires, I think of action figures because the town I grew up in didn't have like a toy store. So the, the folks who own the tires uh, company, the wife, she loved dolls. And so she started her own little toy store in the bottom of the tire company. And that's where I used to get all my figures where some wow. of these are from. That's random. And then um, down the street, there was a comic book store and they sold baseball cards and football and basketball cards. And I started, I used to go in there all the time. I started working there, like helping out when I was in like eighth grade. And um, so I was able to get like just a lot of different things from, from folks. And as buddies got older and they were wanting to get, you know, beer money or car money, I was buying collections back in high school for like three or $400. And the funny part was I was just going for the cards and then I would get just monster boxes of comics, like X-Men runs, ASM runs. And my, my parents had a furniture company and that, my dad would have to get his, uh, I'd ask that for one of the trucks at times to go and pick up different collections. Wow. And I've just literally accumulated stuff for a long, long time. <laughs> it's like back in the day when like an expensive comic was like 20, 30 bucks and you're like, Oh man, that's yeah. a lot. <laughs> right? and that's a key issue now. Yeah. It's like worth mm -hmm. hundreds. I remember back in the day there was a uh, giant size X-Men on the wall at a shop here, but close to my house. Uh, and it was like a hundred bucks. You like, couldn't oh, throw God. that down fast enough now. She has X-1 for a hundred bucks. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, I remember the guy I worked for, he had a 52 Tops baseball set, which is the first um, baseball set and has the Mickey Mantle rookie. And mm. I think at the time it was the, the set itself, it was mint was probably worth like $1,500. And now like the mint, the mantle itself goes for, you know, just outrageous amounts. Yeah, of money. Well, so it's just wild Yeah, how you see things age. It's funny trying to explain that to like your parents and stuff. Like he's even my parents don't get it now and i'm like hey my x-men one is worth x i paid this much and it's worth this much now yeah. like, well that's just comic book <laughs> is it though like i'm not really entirely sure it is anymore <laughs> like, it's so, an investment at this point that's the thing so one of the like the gi joe figures the original snake eyes my mom used to go to the grocery store every saturday and i would go with her and one saturday she was sick like the only time i ever remember her being sick and I, my my dad had to go who knew nothing about the grocery store and so I would always go over to Ecker Drugs next door to see what G.I. Joe figures they had. And they mm -hmm. actually had one. And it was so hard to find. Mm -hmm. So um, I had to go and beg him for $3. And the worst part was when you go in, you know, you go through the dairy products last because they're refrigerated. Not him, not knowing the grocery store. So he does everything the, the complete opposite. So I'm running on one side trying to find him. Can't find him. Have to go through every aisle until I find him. I'm like, what are you doing? You're doing it all backwards. I'm like, have you not been here before? And he's like, what do you need? I'm like, I need $3 to get a GI Joe figure. Hmm. And he's like, 
well, do you already have it? I'm like, yeah, I've got all of them. And he's like, well, why do you need another one? I was like, well, this one breaks. I'll never be able to get it again. And he's like, I, I just don't understand. And I'm like, let me tell you something. If we go home and I tell mom that you didn't give me the money, she will go nuts and she will be so pissed at you. <laughs> and he immediately pulled a five out and just let me go. And so I literally still have and I've, I've got it graded and I've sent it. Uh, I literally went home and just put on a thumbtack back when I was, I guess, nine or 10 mm. in, the, in the, the playroom never open it up and i send him like ebay listings every once in a while just so he can see what the value is and just what is that now about eight eight k yeah so is that is that like the hardest gi joe to, to get he was always the toughest him and storm shadow but like uh, it's a popular. it's graded 85 85 90 so it's wow man yeah that's awesome it's crazy to think that i didn't really i don't know like again like we i just started doing the video game thing buying sealed stuff but to think that like you were at nine, you're like, I need two of these. I like, know. You were already in that realm of like, yeah. I play with one and I have one to like keep sealed or in reality, if it quote unquote breaks, whether that's the truth or not, you know, back then. <laughs> but like, that's just, I, I can't imagine like keeping anything sealed back then. Like my mom never thought about that either. Like when she was Transformers, He-Man, whatever it was, like X-Men figures, never really thought about that. But mm -hmm. I, I can't believe you have some of that stuff that's like yours. That's like you're the original owner of those. Like it's not like bought secondhand. So yeah, like, wow. is it the Nate Trial by God's collection? Like on AFA? Like do you send that pedigree? in? Like, yeah. Is, yeah, yeah, the pedigree. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, well, the funny part is like when guys I grew up with come and stay. I mean, like Jeff, uh, he will walk around and him like that was mine. That was mine. That was mine. <laughs> like his slave one. That's mine. His Talentine. Like all the Empire Strikes Back toys. Everything I a lot of my own. They all came from him. And there, I and Jason, just some of the other guys I grew up with, they can all point like, "Yep, that was mine. That was mine." Was is the key word. Was. Yeah, I don't think. So, like the breaking of GI Joes, I'm pretty sure I smashed every GI Joe I had with like a hammer <laughs> or blew them up with like a firework or something. Like you put that. it in the microwave. That was always popular. I never did. That. I never did that because you don't want to mess with them. But that's you get your ass beat for that. Like <laughs> you put something in the microwave, like you get some <laughs> physical abuse at the house. But like. Hey, if it's my toy and I smash it with a hammer outside, that's all on me, you know. But we did that with GoBots. We just threw those down the driveway and see how many pieces Go we bots. could break them into. Hell yeah, the B team Transformers, right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of like with me with the guest. I mean, like you're out of guest if you're inviting me. It's definitely the JV team. No, yeah. <laughs> why? Because you're not from Canada, right? So. Well, you know, I, I watch enough hockey. I should be adopted. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have to throw the bones to to our neighbors up north every once in a while, get them included in in, in a good country and how shit actually works. So we gave they got free healthcare. I mean, Brian Adams. What else do they need? They do Wolverine. Yeah. I mean, they have some of the like the best singers. Period. Like, uh, and women. Holy hell, dude! Like all the famous, like most attractive women are like somehow from Canada. So I don't know. Something good up there. I haven't seen oh. a good looking good looking woman from Canada. What? Pauline Gretzky. Sorry. I don't know if she was born there, but she may have been born in California. But so is a collect Avril, you're not an Avril Lavigne fan? Oh yeah, I am. I forgot. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, then that's one. <laughs> <laughs> so as a collector, Nate, like I mean you have so much. Like, what is your favorite stuff to collect? comics the toys like really what's the i think it goes in cycles i think it just yeah. depends on like how good like the comics like the the, the writing's really good I, like 
after we came back from COVID, like I was really big in turtles. I, I really love Sophie Campbell's art and her, her work with turtles. And during COVID, I reread like the entire um, IDW run. Um, I reread like the GI Joe run. And uh, so it, it kind of goes in, it's cyclical. Like when cards, like when the Mets are good, which is not often, I really get back into baseball cards. I mean, I'm always in cards, but like when my teams, like the Red Wings are playing well. So it's that. I know Super 7 just announced they're going to start doing O-ring fingers or figures for G.I. Joe, which haven't been done since Hasbro did them back in the 90s. So, And I, I love the um, all the different Kickstarters, like like the Unicron back here, like the HasLabs. Like I, oh, yeah, yeah. The stuff that I've always wanted. Um, so it just it's it never ends. And then I, I've honestly I've been uh, copying you guys just because I, I, I hear you guys talk about video games. And then so I bought a few video games here and there. And when you I actually do want to get a switch and I want to play Alex Kidd uh, Miracle World because I used to play that on my Sega Master System. And it's got the, the design where you can go from the updated version that's currently out to the retro back mm-hmm. on the Master System and play and go back and forth. So. Yeah, they they've done a lot of good stuff, especially with the the like the limited run games that have come out. Yeah, I've seen the Alex Kid. Like, there's a oh god, there's like so many cool ones. Like, there's Double Dragon, like yeah. the whole Brawler collection that has all the Double Dragons, like the arcade the first four ones. Yeah, the Battle Toads thing. It's just like unbelievable. And God, I, I mean, I found like it's even kind of just in general like other games that have come out that aren't really games that I would have never thought to play. But yeah, there's so much like retro stuff. So you just said a bunch of sports teams. So you grew up in North Carolina. Yeah. You lived in New York for a little bit. And then you, and now you're in Texas. How did you become like a Mets and a Red Wings fan? How the hell did that happen? So growing up in North Carolina, you can only get the Braves for TBS. Of course. And I yeah, yeah. hated the Braves. Mm-hmm. I, I grew mean, up liking the Braves. Yeah. Because same reason. Like, I watched TBS. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, saying I hate the Braves, like saying Niagara Falls is a little wet. I just <laughs> cannot stand them. And so when I was collecting cards, it was, you know, like the, the later 80s. So Gooden and Strawberry were, were great. I did I did school trips to New York in 87 and 89, and I went with my parents in 88. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then when I went up into New York, I was able to actually, this is the difference between like age groups. Like people would never understand, like you can't just go on the internet, you know, back in the day and buy like a Dwight Gooden poster or a Daryl Shari poster. Like th- right. you couldn't get that stuff in North Carolina, especially a small town. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to get a lot of that. And I could see the, the Mets play the Braves on TBS and they played, you know, 15 times a year. So that was the the main, you know, my life would have been a hell of a lot easier if I had a Yankees hat on one of those trips instead of Mets hat. But, <laughs> um, and then just, I was always, I always kind of watched hockey. Like they always had the Oilers on when they, in the finals. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I got into the Red Wings. I really liked Stevie Eisenman when I started collecting cards, like him and Pat LaFontaine and Brett Hall were some of my favorites. And, uh, and then I grew up in about 45 minutes outside Charlotte. So Charlotte, the Hornets came around mm-hmm. in 88. Mm-hmm. So I've always been a Hornets fan. I've got to be the only one, maybe two now. Yeah, there's not many. Still. No, no. My son is included. So that's, that's probably all of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, oh, and then, uh, and then, yeah, and then the Giants. So because we, we had the NFC East. So basically everybody grew up a Redskins or Cowboys fan. Mm-hmm. I kind of always liked the Giants. And then especially after living there when they won the Super Bowl uh, the last time. It was so just always been NFC and primarily Giants. I got a I got a Mets story for you. So, oh boy, um, was it twenty? Was it twenty fifteen? Well, I went to Game Two when Royals played the Mets in that World Series, and then I, I, went, I think it was Game Two I went to, and then 
when they won, when the Royals won, which was, I think it was game five. I believe it was game five. Yeah, I was there. You were at the game? Extra innings? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so, man, I remember I'm sitting in my favorite band's Coheed and Cambria. And so I'm sitting there like at this, at the show, they're in El Paso and I'm, I'm watching there. They got their tour bus right next door to a bar. It's like a bar on the corner, then the concert hall and their tour bus is on the street. And so we're in the, in the bar, like watching the game and getting ready to go into the concert. And they're late to the concert because they're massive Mets fans too. And so we come into the concert, they're fucking dragging ass getting in there. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to be here right now. Like this is my favorite band of all time. I've seen them a bunch of times. I'm watching the game on my phone. And then finally they drag their, their asses in there. And I'm like, nah, dude, I turned to my two friends. And I was like, I got to go, bro. The Royals are going to win this World Series right now. Like I, we're, we win this game, it's game over, man. So went next door and watched it. So missed Coheed. They were probably really sad because their team lost, but I was super drunk and super happy that the Royals won, So <laughs> Yeah, that's the only World Series where a team has led after eight innings in three games and lost every game. Yeah, that was a rough one for you guys for sure. The Royals were just tough, man. They Dude, they came up. back after in every series. And I remember when they were yeah. playing the the Royals, or I'm sorry, the, the the Blue Jays. And a buddy of mine asked me, like, who do you want to play? I was like, the yeah. Blue Jays, man, because they swing in the Mets pitching, they'll miss bats. But I'm like, mm-hmm. the Royals, they find a way to win every time. They're just scrappy. every time. They were scrappy those two yeah. years, 2014, 2015. That was it was good, man. They haven't been good. It's like 30 more years probably from George Brett to then, <laughs> and then I got 30 more years now before they get good again. Hey, they still have that trophy. That's true. That's true. Good luck on that. So in terms of the YouTube stuff, though, like, so you've been with McClay for a while and um, you do the Beyond Wednesdays and then do you do the Modern Comic Mayhem, which which shows are you kind of doing with him? Yeah, I've been doing more of the Saturday stuff on Modern Comic Mayhem, just more because of timing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I was the, the Wednesday show. It's just uh, Zach, you're going to find this out. You're having a five year old. You know, when you have to get them yeah. down and depending on how long they want to stay up and they don't want you to leave. So it gets a little tougher on uh, yeah. trying to do some of the weeknight shows a little bit. Yeah, I bet. What about like, there's definitely been kind of a switch with, with Brian. This is by no means like, like dogging it. Cause we obviously, if anyone listens to the show, we enjoy this aspect, but Brian's definitely kind of moved a little bit more into some of the stuff we do as well. Like a little bit more of the drama. Yeah. But yeah. you're a pretty like even keeled guy. So how's that like really, what's your feels on that? I, I like listening to everybody. I don't usually get a chance to kind of catch up with everything that's going on within yeah. like the comic book world. I, I know my wife is always amazed. She's like, it's a, how can comics cause so much drama? <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah. It's Being astonishing. Here. Right. <laughs> but uh, cause and I'll see you guys post and, and I, I listen to your show when I run on the Friday mornings and stuff. And then uh, and I'm like, okay, so I know something that's, I already had the, the, pre, you know, the prelude of what's going to be talked about on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Brian, you gets it up, and then like guys like uh, Red Hood Joe, like he yeah. gets fired up for mm-hmm. drama alerts. So I just kind of sit back and just kind of listen to it. And, and then depending on how many beers I've had at that point, you know, the, will depend on how much I partake. Right, for sure. And I know you were on that show uh, a couple of weeks ago with Ethan yeah. Van Skyver and. I, I can't think, unfortunately, I can't think of the other guy's name. And, you know, I, the day after it aired, I was talking with Anthony for Bird City. Mm-hmm. And I know you have like, a, you know, you had your strong points. And I mean, that that episode just went off the rails. So, you know, for anybody who didn't, you know, watch that episode. Uh, that was the one where uh, where Brian was called like a bigot, right? Or, or something like that, right? Yeah. 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 I, I, you know, um, Nate, kind of give people like a quick 
you know, background on that episode. I don't want to go, you know, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to misquote myself and say something that's wrong. Oh, so. I'm the king of misquotes. I can barely get my own. <laughs> well, you were right, there. So. But... <laughs> in spirit. Um, it was just one of those things. I, I think because uh, Ethan Mansky came on and, and the black uh, riding hood comic, there were some, there was, and I don't know it, the, the Friday night show he does with Ben style on the, the hot 10. Mm. I think they were, it, the book appeared on that, but I, I couldn't tell you when, and then uh, Mel, Mighty Mel V, and I think, and I don't know if, if Jay was on at the same time, but I think they they made comments about you know uh, about the book. I haven't seen it, so I don't, I don't or that episode about the book, and I don't want to say the wrong thing, but um, it sounded like you know the the big point for the the other guy on the show um, who came on with Ethan was that because Mel had said you know if I see that guy I'm going to punch him in the face and. He yeah, seemed yeah. just dramatically impacted by someone saying they want to punch him in the face. And I, my whole point was my professor from the Bronx when I was in school in New York, he said that to everybody. And it's just, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, I think it's more of a New York thing. It's just, I thought it was just kind of love and affection a little bit from the Northeast folks. So, yeah. and then, so it just, I didn't, and I think the mistake on my end was I joined because I, I remember like his Green Lantern series when it launched. Oh like yeah. 2005, oh, of 2006, course. Like, I, I loved it. Yeah. yeah. And does. so, um, but yeah, it kind of went off the rails pretty quickly, and and uh, and so if anybody wants to watch it, they can they can probably get a pretty good laugh after watching. It. Like I, Josh, International Comics, I was texting with him at the gym like that Sunday, and he was saying the reason he didn't come on was just because of like Ben Skyver and I think some of the things he's been associated with. I really had no uh, no background into it. So Brian, I talked uh, the next day after I uh, talking to Aunt and Laura and stuff, and and it was yeah. like you know I think next time. I'm going to make sure the guys who, you know, have who address like the issue are the ones who are on the show talking with the guys. So that way people like yourself don't get, get put in a situation where you're, you're trying try to get caught up. And so, Oh yeah. It, my, was, my it was crazy. Like, Cause the, I, you know, I guess a little bit more of the background. So the, the, what is it? The red riding hood or black riding hood. Black riding hood. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, the writer is a, is a white guy and, you know, it's obviously it's very black oriented and, you know, the N word has dropped quite a bit in, yeah. in the book. And it's, you know, it was very odd for a white writer. I wouldn't say odd, but, you know, the fact that he just risky. Yeah, it's risky. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Risky. And then just the, a lot of the tones. But, yeah, I agree. Like with, with like you and Anthony on there was just like the most weird, you know, it's like watching you two just wa was just like so like you felt it. You're like you cringeworthy because yeah. you guys. <laughs> Again, you guys had nothing to do with the previous night's show. And, you know, yeah, like Ethan and, and the guy John just jumping on both of you and, you know, not understanding that you weren't anywhere in, you know, the original conversation. So it was, uh, it was funny talking to Aunt and Laura the next day because at one point, like I, I told Aunt, like I'd gone up and, or gone to the bathroom and, you know, put my screen on, uh, pause or whatever. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, you know, I, I really didn't want to come back on, but I was like, I didn't want to leave him by himself, like Han Solo. <laughs> and I didn't want him to do the same thing to me. So we were both laughing about that because we both thought the same thing. We didn't want to leave uh, one man on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah. You should have just made it seem like your Wi-Fi went out or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, a tunnel. freeze yourself and then just like stop it. Like, oh, he's frozen. Uh, but yeah, so that, that was a, that was a, you know, that's, that definitely was an intense episode over on, uh, brian's channel go to go check out that the beyond wednesday with what's uh, been cyber do now what's he currently doing cyber frog i remember he was really pumping that in the uh mm. in the show so i don't know if that's like a kickstarter that he's got on it on the side um 
yeah I, got no something idea. like what's it like comic artist something like i can't think of his name like his yeah other than it that like they have then... like a very mantra that they've got like a bunch of different he's pulled different people in to do um kind of like independent pieces but i i, I haven't gotten into it probably won't either now so yeah but of course everybody that you know jumps on you know i heard same like ant and you like yeah his his green lantern some stuff like pre new 52 with like jeff mm-hmm. johns is you know amazing yeah. amazing art to, yeah. to back up john's writing yeah. so it seemed like out of nowhere too he just kind of went off the rails right like maybe uh, maybe he always felt this way and then he just got to the point where he was like i'm gonna speak now but um that shit kind of came out of nowhere with him it felt like at least for me and maybe other people are probably like no nah, dude could always see that shit happening i don't know <laughs> i don't know yeah um well let's kind of uh let's kind of move forward uh you know glad we got to little get to know nate here on the podcast and again you can find him on beyond wednesdays uh with brian hopefully on a saturday night so make sure you check out those shows but uh let's kind of get into some current reads um zach you want to start us off with sure um so i'm trying to think what like really that came out that there's actually been a lot of good stuff i've enjoyed what i've read this week but like the oh okay um, we had to, I posted about this realm of X ended, um, and we had Torin on last week and it was a really good run for the fall of X stuff, you know, like check out last week's episode. You can kind of hear my thoughts on it a little bit more about the, the X-Men lineup, but I really enjoyed that one. Um, the other X-Men book that c- came out this week, which was kind of talked about a lot in a lot of, um, websites and stuff was the X-Men blue origins. And it's a one shot that kind of it's probably like it, it, it could have fallen in the uncanny Spider-Man one through five that's coming out. It's like issues one through four. And then this X-Men origins book. And it really goes in and cleans up the backstory of Nightcrawler. So you kind of, if you read into it, I'm trying to think if I should spoil anything. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll stay spoiler free, but like it really cleans up the origin of Nightcrawler from what it was originally intended to be back in the day that I think like Claremont wanted to do with his origin and wasn't allowed to by Marvel at the time. And then we got things like the Azazel and the Draco storyline, which people were like, eh, it's not that good. Um, so it cleans up all of Nightcrawler's origin. You finally know who his parents are, and there's no question about it. So it, it was a really good issue. It was pretty heartfelt as well. Um, I enjoyed that issue a lot. So I, I thought that one was really good. And then, unfortunately, I guess, I'm keeping it very X-Men, but I, I kind of found in this rabbit hole of um the x-men unlimited infinity comics mm-hmm. and so you you i don't know if you have to, to be honest i don't know how if, if you pay for them through marvel probably if you have like a membership with marvel i think you get that stuff yeah um i was reading them on a different website and they're pretty short um real real short but i burned through like 20 of them and there's really awesome like storylines in there dealing with um the storyline i really liked was the red root saga dealing with like Sunfire trying to rescue Redroot, who is a character from Araco. So still X-Men stuff during this House of X powers of 10 type scenario. I love Sunfire. I really think he's a strong character that kind of doesn't get enough story. He's just kind of pigeonholed as like the Japanese arrogant, super powerful guy. You know, he's kind of always a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's so much possibility with him. If you read Age, Age of Apocalypse, Sunfire is amazing in Age of Apocalypse. That's like the only time they've really like developed this character. But this Infinity stuff is really, really cool. And the Red Root Saga was awesome. 
And I just kind of went through a bunch of those that are kind of like supporting stories for the X-Men stuff. So check those out. If you're reading X-Men, it's, they really it, can't miss on those. In, in X-Men 28, is that where um, Sunfire died, or I'm sorry, when he dies and then uh, Apocalypse comes back and brings him back to life? So that's, he, he's not dead, but that's like at the end of the Red Root Saga. So if okay. you see everything, the Red Root Saga goes on in the infinity and then it ends in, I don't know, issue like 117. It's like eight, eight of the issues or something. And then it picks up X-Men 28 is where you see, and we'll see where he's going to be moving forward so um but yeah because and that's kind of how i fell into it was i was like reading x-men 28 and it said hey read you know little asterisk at the bottom yeah infinity and i was like oh shit how am i missing this stuff and so then i went back and read them all i do like what they've done with firestar and x-men yes. especially that so, last issue because yeah you know they, they you know i think it, you know towards the end they even say like you know i think the need for you know what we've needed her for her, her time is is done yeah, so it's also in Infinity, there's a story arc that's going on right now. After Red Root, it picked up with her, and it's her interacting with, you know, still working for Orkies undercover, and she's sent to go take down Vance Astro, Justice, so who's like her old lover. So that's pretty awesome as well, and that storyline's going on right now, and it's really cool, and Judas Traveler is in there, and, you know, it's old-school garbage Marvel character, but... um. It's cool, man. The Infinity stuff definitely is great support to like the X-Men, like Fall of X and like the storyline. So check those out if you can. Like you said, maybe you need a membership. I don't know. I'm, I'm reading them somehow. Hmm. All right. Uh, what about you, Nate? What do you got reading? Whether it's uh, old, new, what do you got? Uh, I'll bring up two books. One I picked up last week is a, I, I still I, I pick up random like Dungeons and Dragons just because I like the old cartoon from back in the 80s. And there was one called Fortune Finder and it was the first issue. And basically it opens up and it's a guy named Finder, but he can't remember anything that's going on. He can't remember. Um, I don't even know if he remembers his name at that point. And he's got uh, three or four guys who are threatening him, trying to kill him at that point. He gets away, gets lost, and he finds uh, another person. She's asking him about him. And he's like, I don't know where I am. She's like, you're in Sigil. And she's like, it's got different portals through in time. You can go kind of anywhere. So she's trying to help guide him around. She's like, but I need money. And magically money just falls out of his, uh, his sleeve. And so then she's taken around. Then she runs into, I think it's the, I think in Dungeons and Dragons, I think there was like the red lady death who almost looks like destiny in the face from X-Men mm -hmm. uh, with like Marvel, uh, the Marvel, uh, Scarlet Witch, just an all red. And she's floating over the city and she looks down like she's wanting to say something to him. And, uh, so, it, um, his guide ends up pulling away. They run into another person who says that he's known him for a long time. And then he makes the, the guy disappear and then he's threatening. And then he actually kills Finder at the end because there's uh, there's something that he's looking for. But Finder doesn't know anything that's going on. And then at the very end, like you see his eye and it almost looks like it's a dimension or portal. So um, kind of a fun book, just if, if you like that fantasy stuff, I, I thought it was a good read. Um, and then one I just mentioned you guys uh, backstage was. And some folks probably already read this. It's called Haunt You to the End. I think it's a five-issue uh, series. And so I only picked up issue one. I think it came out in June. But when I was reading through it, just uh, the premise, it, you know, it would be perfect to read during like Halloween. But um, there's a someone with a lot of money. He's trying to get someone who doesn't believe in ghosts, a, a, a famous writer, to get, accompany him to an island off the Baja coast. He wants to show like ghosts do exist. And then they've got a plane and some other folks on there. And all of a sudden the the pilot <clears throat> blacks out or has like a seizure and then he comes in and he's dead. 
And so um, they had a, one of the other folks ends up taking over the plane and the, the writer ends up taking a picture of the pilot and you don't see it until he looks at his phone. And then you see like this demon that's like behind him. And one of the, I, they're just like little induendo or induendos. I can't say that word. I'm from the South. And uh, <laughs> yeah. there you go. And so, uh, but like it, when you open it up, I think on like the page two or page three, it talks about the Cecil hotel. And I don't know if you guys oh, are familiar yeah. with that. But from LA, there's a lot of history with the Cecil hotel in LA and the, the Alyssa lamb, uh, mm-hmm. what they thought it was a murder, but she. Richard Ryder lived there for a while too. Mm. Okay. Yeah. The Night Stalker. Night Stalker. Yeah. yeah. So th- like little stuff like that. Richard Ramirez. Richard Ryder. Ramirez. Not Richard, Richard Ramirez. Not, have... not Nova from the X or from the Marvel <laughs> Universe. Sorry. Richard Ramirez. You can't trust those guys either. So <laughs> but uh so thought that was a good series. Or at least start a good series. I'm gonna try and pick up the other the other issues somewhere in the back issues. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's a five issue series, so that's cool if you just wanna grab something quick so at least you know it's an ending at least for the uh those first couple issues so um for myself um so my buddy actually let me borrow the invincible compendium so i'm actually starting to read that um and i actually read the so i read the first 10 issues uh just to kind of see the difference between this, this tv series and and the, you know the the comic book that you know became before between ryan otley and, and kirkman and you know there's definitely a lot that happens exactly like it does in the cartoon. There's some stuff that's implanted in the series for, I guess, for purposes just to speed certain things up. Uh, I don't know if, like, if I, I think if the comic would have came out, and I mean, I never read the comic, right? I never read the comic until now. So, but I think if the show never came in, I probably would never read the series. I'm just not a fan of like Otley's art. Okay. It, it just is what it is. But it's interesting that in the first 10 issues when they do the guardians of the globe when they die and they have the funeral mm-hmm. the there's like a big crossover like savage dragons there like union jack um huh. shadow hawk like which you don't get in, obviously you don't get in the in, right. the in the cartoon so it's really interesting that they brought these characters in for like this cool little crossover at the funeral and i'm like oh i know those characters because i read those in the 90s but uh you know there's some like amber is not really in there yet you know his uh his girlfriend so it's something that's going to happen soon but even the way he learns um like the the teen group like the whatever they are like rexplode and adam mm-hmm. eve it, it, it's a little different than like their first meetings right so i don't know how far i'll get through it you know i think maybe i'll just try to read up to the season wherever we're at in season two just to say that i read it i'm not sure if i want to go past it maybe i'll wait till the next four episodes or you know we'll kind of see how that goes but yeah it, it's interesting as far as if you've never read it you want to kind of see a little bit of a background you see you know where the characters are i think they've done a great job though taking the comic to cartoon and making the cartoon a lot better than the comic because there's just certain episodes that i'm like yeah they definitely did this well uh in the for like in the first season you know remember in the first season zach i know because mm-hmm. Nate said he didn't watch it but you know in that first season where that alien race comes and like the, they age the very fast. Oh, oh the, yeah. Through the portals and they keep coming through the portals. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, they keep coming back and like, if there's that one guy and then mm-hmm. uh, the one alien or no, like Omni-Man goes and like goes to their world and like just destroys their <laughs> yeah. world. Yeah. They don't show that. And even the way that he gets into their world is different. Like the aliens actually capture him. He doesn't actually force himself to go 
into that whatever that multiverse or that time planet wherever they're from and i'm just like ah, they definitely did it a lot better in the, in the comics so and then of course the the death scene with the guardians of the globe is way better in the in the cartoon <laughs> oh in the, in the comic books um you know other than that um i'm reading the you know i, I had to read it even though it's literally just like verbatim the obi-wan series um the first three issues are out i say of all the adaptations between like rogue one solo the force awakens this is probably the best one for the simple reason of like salvatore la Roca's art is just spot on like you see some of these characters and they're just like you know like hugh and mcgregor and mm-hmm. um the chick who plays reva and leia like it's they're so close to the, like live action it, it's perfect and this pre- this past issue that just came out was when the first time when obi-wan and darth vader fight um briefly uh on that one planet so i I liked it um other than that of course i gotta talk about carnage now that you know it's been out so we could finally talk about carnage number one and this again this is not because we had torn on last week but yeah like i knew just what you guys briefly said without spoiling it yeah absolutely amazing uh issue just the killings and what's so great is even like the cletus parts Mm -hmm. could be its own series right he's so evil to light he's so evil to the fact that this could just be a non-superhero comic book and you would just be like yeah he just is a sadistic killer and you'd want to read about it you know it's just such an amazing comic so i'm really excited to see where they're going to go with this and of course the the whole thing with flash thompson and what's going on with him and we'll see we'll see where that goes so uh definitely carnage number one was high up on my list but pick of the week and this is kind of a little bit older the uh the animal pound i know we really haven't talked about Mm -hmm. it but uh, the ash can came out, and for someone who's a, you know an animal lover, you know I got two cats, Zach's got the dog, you know it, it's really interesting that we you read it right, Zach? Yeah. Oh yeah. The Nate, ash can. Did, yeah. Yeah. Nate, did you read it? By I have not. Read? Okay. So you never really think about this, but it is really the truth that you know we don't let our ad- our animals like run free. Like we really they are they are in their cages. Like their cages is your house because even though yeah you take care of them but they're really not, they don't really get to see too much of the outside world. And even dogs. Yeah. You, you take them out, you walk them, they poop, they run around the backyard, but they're not free. And this whole issue between this old dog, obviously takes place in the pound and this old dog and this young kitten. And he, he's telling the story to this kitten kitten saying, you know, like this is what life is going to be. And then when it flash forwards to a part where, now the cat is trying to get all these other cats before this other dog is going to be basically executed is now this is where it's all going to start off for this first issue. And, you know, I, I, I love these type of, you know, I love these type of comics, especially the fact that it's going to be a horror with, with animals. And, and I've talked about it mul- multiple times here on this podcast. If you've ever get a chance, please read animosity from, um, from aftershocks, you know, aftershock comics. Like it is just a cool like awesome comic book. I think it's like 30 issues. They did like two spinoffs, but the whole idea with animals taking over the world is just awesome. Like the whole awakening and them being able to talk and humans understanding them is wild. So definitely I'm interested to see where this series goes with Tom King. It definitely had um, like planet of the apes vibes, right? So like if you watched mm. any of the original, original five planet of the apes, you know, so you got like planet of the apes beneath planet of the apes and then escape from planet of the apes. You got, Cornelius and Zira and they have a baby and then it's like conquest of Planet of the Apes 
is where you see like the baby Caesar being raised and like all the apes are kind of being used for like science and slave work and stuff like that. And it really, that's kind of what the vibe of I got in this, where it was very much like, Hey, we got to put aside the differences between dogs and cats, which it also kind of has a lot of like, um, relevance to society in a Mm -hmm. way right like honestly i read it so many different aspects i'm like bro maybe if the republicans and the democrats put their shit aside we could get like into a good place as well it just really like hey stop bullshitting and they even kind of say like hey the dog tells the little kitten like they want us not to like each other so we don't come together and work together and um it's so true man it's so true in the real world but um yeah I, i liked it too very much enjoyed it I'm excited it's only four issues because that's like, you know, nice and concise. Um, but yeah, definitely had like some Planet of the Apes vibes with it. And we'll see where it goes for sure. Cool. So uh, that's our reads for the week. Uh, let's get on to some articles. Uh, Zach, I think you have a nice Ghost Rider article. That about? Yeah. So <clears throat> this comes from Marvel.com. <clears throat> the article is titled Johnny Blaze Takes His Final Ride in New Ghost Rider Final Vengeance Number One Cover. So um, this book comes out March 13th with the Greg Capullo variant cover as well for this book. Um, Benjamin Percy's been writing Ghost Rider for a while now, and it ends, I believe, next issue, which is issue 21, I think. Um, the run is going to end, and then I'm guessing this is a one-shot. And then I'm sure we'll have you know a kickoff for a new Ghost Rider series. I don't know if this Final Vengeance is an ongoing or if it's just a one-shot or not, but... What it looks like is saying, well, I'll just read the article for you. So continuing Benjamin Percy's acclaimed and thought-provoking work on the Ghost Rider mythos, the new series will see the spirit of vengeance fall into the wrong hands and fans won't believe who it is. Now Johnny Blaze must embark on an epic quest to become Ghost Rider again before the newly possessed uses its demonic power for a dark purpose. Joining Percy on his latest hell ride will be Marvel newcomer Danny Kim, known for his work on last month's Ghost Rider annual number one. Fans will have to... Have to wait to find out who the new Ghost Rider is, but in the meantime, see Johnny Blaze enjoy his last moments as the iconic Flamehead in Greg Capullo's cover for Ghost Rider Final Vengeance number one, also available as a version variant cover, which is this superstar artist's latest piece since his grand return to Marvel Comics earlier this year. Like I said, it gets released um, March 13th for that. So, um, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, I've really enjoyed this run. I would have liked to seen it go a little bit further um i've talked a lot about how i like the character talia war road and i and there's definitely been like a bend more to the supernatural aspect in this run of ghost rider which is always kind of how he should be um there was some danny catch stuff which i could always use some more of um i don't know you know i'm always i'm always hesitant when it's like hey it's so it's clearly going ghost rider spirit of vengeance is going to someone we know because it's like you'll never guess who it's going to right so like (laughs) It's not going to be some no-name person. Of course I wouldn't guess this character yeah. never existed before. You know, like, so, like, I don't know, man. I, I've spoke about, we spoke about it with the Punisher. We spoke about it with the upcoming Century series. And just, like, bouncing these powers to, like, new characters is kind of lame. I would much prefer, like, a a new, if you're going to do it, I don't want it, but, like, if you're going to do, like, a Robbie Reyes or an Alejandro Jones, like, a new Ghost Rider. Someone, new backstory, new Spirit of Vengeance. Um Rather than like, you know, I'm sure it's not him, but Wolverine getting it or something. Oh like yeah, because he was. They had that huge whatever Hell Hellerine, whatever that was. Hellerine, yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm kind of bummed. Like I said, I like I like this run, but hey, keep going with Ghost Rider, and I'll probably stay happy. I guess. This is the run that introduced Talia, right? What, yes. Was her first appearance like number one? 
I believe it was issue one, if yeah. not one and two. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember I read like the first five or six issues and somehow another just got off track and, and didn't, but I, I like the story. So just hearing that, it just sounds like it, they're setting her up and I'm, I'm probably not giving away anything that people probably can't guess already, but yeah. I didn't yeah. realize Coppola was coming back to Marvel. Yeah. I didn't know that. I know he'd done a couple variants though, right? Didn't he have that Wolverine variant recently? That was like a big. Yep. Yeah. He did that. But yeah, that was like the big thing. I think we even talked about it a long time ago, like that he did like a sketch and yeah, he did the Wolverine, but yeah, so they're doing this this ghostwriter thing. But yeah, I, I shit, Nate just, just just nailed it, right? Like yeah. I'm sure as shit, then it's gonna be her, right? Oh, yeah. Because it can't be anybody was, that we haven't thought about. Right, because what she was with Shield and didn't they have um I I I'm gonna blank on the guy's name, but when they uh the latest Punisher, wasn't he a Shield guy too, when they replaced um Oh yeah, Joe yeah, Castle. Yeah, yeah, you do Garrison. And she so I thought she was a really cool, like cool character. I I didn't I I I, I liked her a lot. I, so it just seems like they're just you know if they're starting a new series, it, yeah. it's hard to keep up with how many times they stop and start. I think she had some kind of like a, a division of Shield she was working with, or it was like the, you know some paranormal division. It might have even yeah. been the FBI okay. and not Shield. I, I don't know, but can't remember. But that, honestly, I didn't even think about it because that seems like a pretty logical guess. Like, so like you'll never guess who it is. Like, oh, you mean the other main character in the run? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. shocker. <laughs> so, I mean, she's cool. I, she I really is. want to see her stick around. She has like a, she's like a, you know, she mixes between, for me, if you read any of like a Valiant stuff, she's like a punk mambo and uh, Constantine type character. Like, I love it. I love punk mambo in the valiant universe and obviously Constantine with the magic is always dope. But, uh, so I hope that she sticks around for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think you were talking about like bringing the spiritual piece into ghost rider. It's like with the way they've done Hulk and brought the horror piece in. Yeah. Good re- yeah. relaunches. It's been good, but we'll see. Cool. So that comes out in March. Um, and then we'll, obviously we have some time to guess but now i'm sure nate just hit it right on the head right. with an existing character that was clearly in this entire run so even clocks are right twice a day <laughs> uh let's kind of move on to some tv talks so I, I feel like this is definitely you know just absolutely interesting article and i'm sure some people have read it so this is uh, a couple of different websites picked this one up so thor, thor ragnarok takawatiti admits i have no interest in making marvel movies um, but yet he directed two of the four Thor installments. So um, basically he was on a podcast recently with some people. And, you know, he said that when it came down to the offer for Ragnarok, what uh, he frankly admitted his acceptance came down to money. He says he, he'd never read any of the comics. He's like, and he quotes, you know what? I had no interest in doing one of these films. It wasn't on my plan career path uh, as an amateur, but I was poor and I just had a second child. And I thought, you know what? This would be a great opportunity to feed these children. And cool. he changed Thor and then he completely ruined Thor. So, uh, <clears throat> goes on to quote Thor. Let's face it was probably the least popular, least popular franchise. I never read Thor comics as a kid. That was the one comic that I picked up and been like, Ugh. and then I did some research on it and I read one Thor comic or 18 pages or however long they are. I was still baffled by this character. And I guess now we could see why he's not doing the next Thor movie. So, thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, look, Thor was horrible in the first two movies. And I know I know some people don't didn't like Ragnarok, but I do think Ragnarok was the best thing to happen to Thor's character in the MCU. Like 
it made him more likable. It did take more of a comedic turn, which then set the tone for him to always be that way, which was kind of like they should they needed to find the middle ground, in my opinion, of like a serious Thor with like the the humor of Ragnarok. But Ragnarok was one of, in my opinion, Ragnarok is probably one of the best of the Infinity Saga standalone movies, I think. Um, but you could tell, yeah, Love and Thunder, I don't know, man, that was bad. And then, I don't know. I don't blame him. Needs a paycheck, I guess. <laughs> Shit, I don't know. Yeah, I about to say, I don't do my job because I enjoy it. I enjoy, right. I, I enjoy the compensation, so I, I get that part. I, I Actually, I'd say, you know, I, I appreciate the honesty, but yeah, yeah, Love and Thunder, I remember... I was really looking forward to it, just like a lot of the Marvel movies. And I remember I mentioned Josh earlier, and he had told me how bad it was. I'm like, can't be that bad, boy. And I remember listening to your review, and I was like, well, it was just like, yeah, just go down the list. I mean, those goats. I mean, the whole thing, you know, everyone, especially if you read the the comics, you know, the Jane Foster piece, the cancer piece, mm-hmm. you could have done so much with that because so many people, you know, have had some maybe an experience with someone along those lines. And then the way they just go from, they don't even really get it, let you feel like how she's got it. And then you've got Hercules and goats and it, the whole thing was just appalling. It was awful. I mean, terrible. Oh yeah. God. I'd rather pull my eyelids like, out than watch You had one of the best villains that Thor has yeah. had in yeah. how many years. Yeah. Right. Like a modern villain. Yeah. And, yeah. and for them to just like completely ruin him. And uh, you guys talk using... about all the time, how yeah. Marvel ruins the villains. Cause the they can't only, keep them as yeah. villains. Yeah, the only like legit villains they have, they're one and done, always. And I, I, I'd said it before. I think Christian Bane would have been the perfect Dario Azure for Roxon. Oh think yeah, that would have been spot on. They could have yeah. done so much with it and um, kept him around for a little bit. Made yeah. him like a gray area character. Like, hey, sometimes I do good, sometimes I do bad. I run this business, you know. And then yeah, and then sometimes it can, I turn into a minotaur. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I look. I'm sure it's going to piss people off. And of course people are like, Whoa, you ruined it. And then you left. And now you said this, like, whatever, man, he's gone. It's been done. Who gives a shit to be honest. And I do like some of this stuff. Like I love what we do in the shadows. This is one of my favorite shows. So, um, what TV can do no wrong for me in some aspects. Um, but you know, I also, I take articles like this and I wonder, right? Like, okay, if love and thunder would have been successful and it wouldn't have got shat on, would you be saying this or is this your defense mechanism because it sucked and now you're like i didn't really want to do these anyway what do i care you know what i mean it's like Like, the coaching search i pull my name out being the coach that's because we didn't want you yeah right exactly yeah (laughs) we're getting somebody i didn't get selected you didn't you you weren't gonna get selected i didn't (laughs) apply because i wasn't gonna get selected you know yeah it makes you wonder how genuine that where this is coming from but i thought honestly his best stuff if you watch those little snippets on like uh disney plus uh thor and daryl the roommate yeah those are good yeah they're oh, hysterical yeah they are so funny and i think yeah. that's where you know on those they're great but the way they tried to make they just they turn thor into a superhero and they turn him into a buffoon i mean it's just right. silly ridiculous yeah. i would say his the biggest problem with watiti is so gun obviously with guardians set the the comic comedic like turn for the marvel universe right but it wasn't yeah. heavy but Watiti came in and he went like it was more comedy than anything else. And I guess if you're going to be mad at him in a way, it's almost like you might have been the you might be the problem. Like you might be the one who started that uh, that ball rolling at like a speed that just couldn't come back from that. Like 
Marvel's like, cool. Everyone liked Ragnarok. It was super weird and funny. And let's just do that now all the time. Um, and it's not hitting anymore. So I feel like the last quality Marvel movie that I walked out and like, I, I want to see again was Spider-Man No Way Home. And that was two years ago. Um, which, what's, which one's No Way Home? I, no Way Home with, with all the, right? with yeah, all the Spider-Man. Yes. I always get far from home and, and No Way Home. The yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love that one. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to, Check out that article, and then we're going to kind of stick with some more Marvel news. I feel like this is a perfect, you know, segue into this one. So over at Forbes.com, um, the Marvels Amon Vellani nails the problem with the MCU. You know, and only a 21 Amon Vellani, current actress who's playing Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel. Uh, you know, we've seen some low points on Disney Plus as well as in the current MCU we just talked about. Um, she was on a podcast, and you know, basically is taking. Um, Amon is talking about the larger problems with the MCU and she was asked by the direct how the MCU could go back to generating Avengers endgame level fan hype and I don't really think we need that but as quoted I don't know I don't know if it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger because then like what's left you know I think it's just about making the audience care about their characters and I think they've established so many wonderful characters in the last phase of the MCU that would be nice to see them all again and see the, and see them team up it's a simple answer, but no one is, seems to identify the core problem with the MCU right now. The pursuit of bigger spectacles of sparring casts covering every inch of the Marvel history. See, I like this in a way because I enjoyed the Marvels. I know people were like, it's fun, it's fun, but you got more of what you wanted, right? You got to learn a little bit more about the characters. You felt more about the characters. We talked about this on our review. I cared about every character that was in that movie. Monica Rambeau, <clears throat> uh, Captain Marvel herself yeah, and, and Kamala Khan. And that was something that is lost with, I think, a lot of these shows, right? And a lot of these characters for these newer movies. Like, they're just there. Like, The Eternals was like a cool movie, but like, does anybody care about any of those characters individually? Yeah. Um, Shang-Chi, good movie. It's a great movie, but do you really feel for Shang-Chi after the movie? You know, like, where's his place? What is he like? And I feel like that is exactly like what Amon's saying is that you need to really feel for these characters, whether it's the first or second movie, like, you know, Captain America, Thor, um, you know, Tony Stark. You knew who these characters and felt who these characters were right off the rip. Um, you know, Nate, what do you think about this article on, on Amon? You know, do you think she's right? Do you think she's wrong? I think she nailed it. I was like, for someone who's 21, she's got wisdom of someone much, much greater in their years. I mean, like, I never really cared about like the Falcon and Bucky in comics. Yeah. And then when the, the movies came out, and honestly, the uh, the Disney Plus series, like I, I've watched that so many times. Like those two characters, I would pay to watch them anytime in any any type of film or short series. They're, they're just great characters that I just I'm stuck to now. And I think Bob Iger for um, the CEO of Disney came out, I want to say it was yesterday. And the note that he put out was saying that, you know, we were focused way too much on messaging mm -hmm. and not the actual story. And right. I think he's spot on. And I think she's, she's right. And because at some point, you know, like Avengers in game, they're great, but you can only have like so many people and you can only have so big a spectacle. And it's not always, you know, if more is good, more than more is better, but it's, you know, just keep it, sometimes simple is really underrated and uh just work on the characters like i know justin you, you've mentioned like kamala khan 
being the, the, the Jersey girl, you kind of like her. I like her because you can literally watch the series and watch like the Marvels and you can see how like much she cares like that. Oh, yeah. She's easy to gravitate to. Mm-hmm. Where like Brie Larson, you know, the, the previous movies just, just never, there's no connection. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And yeah, I think like Bob Iger said, uh, yeah, exactly. Like they, they were about the, this new current regime, whether it's Marvel movies or Disney movies is, they were trying to come across as a message instead of telling great stories. Yeah. You know, like Zach always says, you know, checking boxes on every, you know, thing, whether culturally this, that, the other thing. What about you, Zach? So I had read this article like a couple of times. I feel like it's been showing up like all week in different mm-hmm. places. And for whatever reason, I don't know, you know, and yeah, she makes a good statement, but I'll, I'm going to play a little, I don't know, devil's advocates, the word here, but it's fine. She's not really saying anything that's like, everyone's like, you know, oh, wow, she really gets it. What do you mean she really gets it? Write a story about a character that people care about. Yeah, no shit. Like, that's like <laughs> common knowledge. And then even, even at the end, she's like, I don't know. We should just like focus on the characters. We've established so many more. But then I feel like she contradicts herself because she, then she's like, so that it'll be nice when we can all see them team up again. So like exactly what you're saying is the problem of like, oh, there's, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And she's like, let's focus on these characters so we can get bigger and bigger and bigger and we can see them all. And But obviously she's, you know, of course she wants it to succeed. It's her career. She's writing for Marvel. This is her big first big break, you know, and, and she's great. I'm not a Ms. Marvel fan. I've said it a million times. I think she's great. She nails the character. I've enjoyed every iteration of her. Um, it's not really for me, but I don't dislike her. Um, but yeah, the truth is this. It's, Marvel has to get people to care about it. The problem, though, is the same thing we've said, as, said over and over again is it's hard to get people to care. You have the outsiders looking in and they're like, why don't you guys like Ms. Marvel as much? You're a racist or you're a bigot or you know a misogynist. Like, Bro, that character was just invented like literally less than a decade ago. Captain America has been around for a really long time. Like, What are you talking about here? Everyone is invested in these old characters and yeah, I'm sorry, man. They're straight white males. I don't know what to tell you, but that's how they were created. That's what they are. People are more invested and in everyone like the newer and the the agendas out there don't understand why we can't get on board with uh, diverse casting. Why aren't these as successful? Because no one knows this character, man. It has two stories. Kamala Khan has barely had a, a successful run in her history of comics. And so you want me to be like, she's the next captain america she's gonna lead the team you know give me a break dude you know so i don't know they do need to do that though that's how you get it that's how you do it and honestly i don't think it's the movies as a reader and maybe i'm completely wrong here but write a good story in the comics all these movies all the best movies come off of comic book stories right they're all modeled after an arc or like a some kind of character development in this character's background and that's what we need write a good comic book story bring it over to the big screen. I also so. think you need one more thing too. It's just, again, the, the whole multiverse, it's just too hard because I don't know how many people yeah. have to call me who, who don't read comics and they're always asking questions like what happened? Who's this? How mm-hmm. did they get here? And it's just, it's too much when, and if they've missed yeah. something, but they've missed a movie or a series, they can't piece it together where it was much easier. If you want to watch Iron Man or Thor or Captain America, I know who that is. I, Mm-hmm. I've got a semblance as of what kind of how you fit in or what what happens. You start getting down the path and you get too many yeah. B and C list characters and you're too many derivatives from the it's just it's hard. T 
to be honest, if you're going to do a successful multiverse, you should do it with those characters that everyone knows, right? Like the Cap, the Iron Man, the Thor, characters who don't need explanation, who people don't have to be introduced to because it's just like, oh, hey, look, it's a different version. Boom, boom, boom. I'm good to go. But you got characters like no one knows Ms. Marvel. No one's familiar with Moon Knight. Um, You know, these other characters like that. And then you're like, hey, here's another version of them. Like, dude, I don't even know what the real one is. So like, what are we doing here? I'd love to know just how much the popularity spiked for like Black Widow and Hawkeye after the Avengers movies, because that was nothing like I'd never really cared about Black Widow and people I know, like friends, they didn't know who Black Widow or Hawkeye were until, you know, the Avengers movies. Now they, they care. I've always loved Hawkeye. He's always been like probably my favorite Avenger. Um, I don't know if we're going to get to it, Justin. We talked about doing an Invincible review, but whether we do or not, we're watching it. And I was like, oh, my God, multiverse. Oh, yeah, yeah. The first <laughs> it's like, no. First well, we'll talk about it next week. Once more you multiverse <laughs> bullshit, dude. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's crazy that just the whole <clears throat> the first couple phases were great, and I and I don't even think we we really brought this up over the past couple of weeks as well. They they even said like that Eternals and Shang Chi were experimental projects. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they haven't announced anything past that is, you know, well, I guess we're never gonna get more Shang Chi and the Ten Rings. We're never gonna get more Eternals. We're not gonna find out what everything means. And that was the thing I think they and that was another thing they said was that they need to stop doing post credit scenes introducing characters, right? Yeah. Like that's how we get like in Thor Love and Thunder, we got like the Hercules thing, and then these you know, these other movies is how they introduce just introduce the character in the movie. Like yeah. even if it's quick or at least it's subtle, like Iron Man Two, you had Black Widow, uh Thor, you had Hawkeye. Like that's how they brought these characters in. You know, Civil War brought in Black Panther, characters that are sta- that are established in the Marvel comics. And then now they have can can branch out of that. Like yeah. we didn't get an original Spider-Man movie before we saw him in Civil War. Like that's where he was. A post-credit scene that moves a storyline is more beneficial than a post-credit scene that introduces a new character. Mm-hmm. So like the that's post-credit what the early scene, phases did. Yeah, with like the Thanos stuff. Like you you saw him like doing doing things, collecting stones or whatever. Yeah, it was kind of an intro of him as well. But it was more moving the story. Like it wasn't. Hey, here's a new guy. It's Hey, check it out. This is what you're going to see in the next movie. This is a theme of the next movie or something. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, that is uh, season three, episode 48 for us here at the Comic-Con podcast. Nate, we really want to thank you for coming on here. Uh, let the people know where they can find you. Um, well, hopefully in Canada next time. I'd like to do this remotely. Maybe Winnipeg <laughs> this time of year. I'm sure it's lovely. Jeez. <laughs> going to be cold up there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, modern comic mayhem or beyond Wednesdays, um, on beyond Wednesdays channel. And, um, hopefully I will be invited back, but I, I, I seriously doubt that'll happen after this show gets reviewed and like, Oh, we got to do better than this. <laughs> no, dude, you're welcome. Anytime, man. It's, it's actually our fault that we hadn't had you on like before at some point. We should just done one from Rudy's. I introduced that, that's, what you Rudy's. Take, that's a place to take Zach when he, once he gets up to Northeast and goes up to you can start going to the cons and take the train is this a restaurant <laughs> what is this place actually uh, yeah if you go back and watch jessica jones i want to say it's in season two mm-hmm. like episode two or three she's on the psychiatrist couch and he's like what makes you uh what, name a place that you can relax or makes you it's friendly and she's like rudy's and that's the bar <laughs> that we're talking about 
Oh, it's okay. free hot dogs. It's um, they've cleaned it up. It used to be like all just uh, all the seats used to be made out of duct tape. And, free uh, hot dogs? Yeah, yeah, dude, it's great. Ooh. Cash only. Oh, dude, it's great. Yeah, okay, I'll eat them. Shot in a beer is like five or six bucks, and oh, that's like dude, in that's New, in New York, New York is wild. ridiculous. Like, how do you stay in business? And especially giving away free hot dogs. How do you stay in business? Everybody that I took, I went that weekend twice for New York Comic Con. Once I went with uh, our pal James from Mad Love Comics. And then the next day I went with uh, a Tim from mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Sculpture. Vulture. Sculpture Vulture. And both of them are just like, wait a second. You get how many hot dogs? Maybe <laughs> you want. <laughs> There's a place in here in El Paso that's the same thing. $5 beer and a shot. And that's a good deal here. So like that's an amazing deal up in like New York, man. Yeah. You can't I mean, miss the beer. There's a huge pig outside the, the bar. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll get, we're doing that. We're yeah, doing when you definitely come up here, or if the Canadians ever come down to New York, that that is the place to go. And and the yeah. next time Nate, you're in in the uh, the New York area, absolutely, we are meeting up there again. Uh, Zach, any last words before we get out of here? No, man. Um, fun show, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Yes. Uh, for myself, of course, follow me on whatnot. Uh, still doing some shows before the end of the year. And please, if you haven't checked out last week's episode, seriously, yeah. uh, talking with Turin was an absolute pleasure. Uh, I posted the video over on uh, Terrificon's Facebook page and told Mitch to uh, to get her over to Terrificon. So, yeah, dude. She was um, awesome. Yeah, and hopefully next week we'll be dropping some news for some stuff next year that Zach and I are doing. So uh, that's it. We appreciate everybody, uh, old listeners, new listeners. Thank you so much for checking us out. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. Peace out, everybody.